0: Welcome to Frontier 3, presented by Pat Snap. In this 20-episode podcast series, we will be unpacking the innovation ecosystem of Web3. From tokenized physical goods to the digital assets and smart contracts that will build the metaverse. Web3 is one of the biggest technological and socioeconomic paradigm shifts in history. Join Pat Snap's co-founder Ray Chohan for a fascinating deep dive into how Web3 will fundamentally change how we live, work, and play. Welcome to Frontier 3. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Episode 3 of Frontier 3. In today's episode, our host, Ray Chohan, sits down with Jeff Kaufman Jr. Jeff is the CEO and founder of Parachute. Parachute builds and invests in Web3 solutions for marketers and advertisers. You are absolutely going to love today's episode with Jeff and Ray. Be sure, as always, to have a pen, piece of paper, sit back, and enjoy today's episode with Jeff Kaufman Jr. Enjoy. Today's episode is brought to you by PatSnap. Learn how to unlock your limitless innovation potential with connected innovation intelligence. CII is an AI-powered technology that combs through millions of disparate data points, segments them by industry and relevance, and weaves the insights together to create a meaningful narrative. The result? A holistic 360-degree market view where you can easily spot risks, identify opportunities, and accelerate the pace of innovation. We created the definitive guide to connected innovation intelligence to give you an in depth understanding of how CII can help your business innovate better. If you want to grab a copy of this, head over to patsnap.com or click the link in the description of this podcast to get it today. Now, without further ado, let's jump right into today's episode.
1: Jeff, welcome. Really excited to have you on board today. I think we were kind of speaking earlier before we started today's conversation on how myself and the team loved your piece with Real Vision. That's how we came across you and and some of your kind of key insights from that conversation. So we'd like to just continue and build on that really and just kind of go down the rabbit hole of Web3 at a macro level, dig into social tokens. Obviously, NFTs have been absolutely butchered in terms of mainstream media, but I still think there's so many folks who don't really understand that world. And most importantly, how that links to brands and and kind of the B2B and consumer worlds. But Jeff, just to kick off with, I could understand that you kicked off your career at MySpace. Boy, did that bring back some memories when you mentioned that. So would love to kick off just with your backstory and how you started your career and then how you slowly kind of evolved into the world of Web3, Jeff.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, thanks for having me. I'm uh, always excited to talk Web3 and brands and the future and innovation. And it's always fun to start with. The retro uh, experiences of internet marketing and branding was something like MySpace. So yeah, uh, MySpace is kind of where I got my start. I didn't work at MySpace, so just want to make sure that that's <laughs> that's uh, out there. But the first community I, I ever built and my first step into marketing a brand was on MySpace. So a couple things happened. Um, I was in college studying marketing, thinking about the future. Um, I also started skydiving and was having a ton of fun here in uh, Dallas uh, at a local drop zone called Skydive Dallas. And it just kind of sort of dawned on me one day that I felt like it would be cool to start a MySpace page for Skydive Dallas and start building a community for uh, the, the people that were at the drop zone and give us a way to connect with each other while we weren't at the drop zone. Cause we're just skydiving on Saturdays and Sundays, but Monday through Friday, there's all this time and all this space to connect with each other, share videos, share photos, and and do all of that. And MySpace was kind of the best place to do that in 2005. So yeah, that's where I got my start. And then kind of that led into the next 15 years of digital marketing and advertising and building brands and online communities.
1: And then I can understand you spent some time in the kind of traditional B2B agency world. So I'm guessing that would have been between what, 2008 to kind of probably 2018-ish? Is that where you spent kind of a big part of your career?
2: Yeah, yeah. You almost nailed it. There's 2009 to 2020. so earlier this year i was still at sort of the big enterprise agency world so yeah um sort of getting my getting in the the space early within uh the web 2 movement so web 2 being social and mobile social kind of leading it first um, and then mobile kind of hitting really hard in 2007 with the iphone and app and app store and all of that um and so yeah the work that i did um on MySpace and uh and then later facebook i ended up building the largest community for skydivers back in 2007 globally um and so yeah that kind of set me up well to enter the large enterprise agency world to work with big brands the first social big social campaign that i ever worked on was with fruit of the loom Um, so really just put together the strategy, uh, to bring fruit of the loom into Facebook and Twitter and and social back in 2010. And so, yeah, what I was doing kind of in, in college between 2005 and 2009 kind of set me up to enter the big agency world and have a lot of practice and a lot of knowledge and kind of enter, enter the, the business world with sort of, uh, Uh, a lot of, uh, I guess, experience at a time when no one really had experience doing social marketing. I mean, I remember looking for my first job and I was trying to find just the title of social media marketing (laughs) or social media (laughs) manager. And this is back in 2008 and it didn't exist. It was, it's so funny to think about, but I literally couldn't find a job dedicated to what I was doing and what I was having a lot of fun with. So I just entered uh, the agency that I, that I started at uh, uh, just uh, on the media team. So like a super low level trafficking campaign manager type role. And then as buzz uh, within the agency and within these large brands started to catch up around social, which was really 2010 to 2012, when larger brands finally started being interested to lean in and, and ask questions. I was kind of right place, right time, had already spent five years thinking a lot about it and, yeah, quickly built out the agency's uh, social advertising practice, ran it as its own P&L and standalone business within the the larger agency for about 10 years. And so kind of just worked through the entire growth of Web2, social, mobile. And then, you know, it kind of tapered off the, uh, the innovation, slowed down quite a bit, everything between really 2017 and 2021 within web two, mobile social just was very incremental. There there didn't seem to be any sort of exponential big innovation uh, coming out of the space. And I started to look really hard for what was next, Uh, had always been following crypto and and blockchain and and web three, but not being a developer, not being a finance um, background, didn't really understand where my where my uh, where my skill set fit in, but obviously was just super fascinated with how these big ideas just kind of like Bitcoin and Ethereum exploded overnight. And anything that explodes overnight, I'm just like, what is this and and what is happening? Um, but somehow came across NFTs and social tokens in early 2020.
1: Okay. Um,
2: And immediately when I saw him, I saw the benefits, I understood the cultural impact that was about to happen. And it just sort of lit this fire uh, that I don't know that I had had since the early days of Web 2. And I just went, put my head down and spent all of 2020 trying to learn as much as I could, meet as many people as I could uh, to just kind of figure out, you know, how was I going to enter this space and not miss this moment?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. So before we dive into Web three and this potential huge unlock, Web three is promising. Just for our audience, because I think a lot of people now—well, not a lot of people—I think people are getting it. Web one, Web two, Web three. Where I think Chris Dixon from AZ sixteen, he done a few great tweets where he's like, Web one, read only. Web two, read write. And then obviously Web three is read write, and hopefully, fingers crossed, if it goes our way, own. Mm-hmm. And has that kind of macro thirty thousand foot overview, but from your specific context in the world of brand and marketing and 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 working with kind of the early generations of communities, what what what, what does it potentially unlock in that specific context?
2: Yeah, the, there's so many things that get unlocked, and this is what makes it so hard for us, everybody, to wrap our heads around, even myself included, but when we look at just macro things of what happens when new technology comes along and sort of what are some of the big signals, new technology unlocks value in areas that we couldn't get to before. And so if there's not value being unlocked, then it's probably not the type of innovation that we're looking for. So what's an an example of that? And to use some marketing uh, lingo, Uh, there's a term called ugc are you familiar with that term
1: no i should be
2: (laughs) no 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 it's okay Uh, but it makes a lot of sense so ugc for probably 2005 to 2020 was user generated content and it was this concept of wow our 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 as a brand our customers are creating content and creating ideas and sharing information about our brand And this is something new that we can lock into. We've never had this sort of two-way dialogue and conversation, um, and that was just fascinating and and actually kind of scary for a lot of brands to lean into this idea of user-generated content and allowing your customers to sort of shape some of uh, the conversation and the identity online. But the brands that did it well really unlocked uh, the power of of Web2 in a big way. But there's a new version of ugc uh that's now here and it's called, and it shifts uh the the terms and and that uh in that phrase a little bit so user generated capital so user generated capital uh social tokens and nfts allow us to to unlock user generated capital so that's the new uh ugc and 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 that's quite amazing because the the value that communities have typically created has usually been captured by an institution, um, whether that's pre-internet, and it's definitely visible during the age of of the internet with with Facebook and Google, um, and mostly Facebook, meaning that billions of people have used this platform and have created a ton of value for being there and using it, but they did it at the expense of the, the individuals being the product. You are the product when, you, when you're when you on Facebook, and Facebook captures all of that value. And really, most of that's because the technology wasn't there for the people using the platforms to capture that value. Um, and so, yeah, the, that's, that's sort of a huge unlock, and it kind of plays into what Chris Dixon is talking about uh, with that ownership uh, side uh, of of what Web3 looks like. And really, Web3, um, the best way to think about Web3 is we're, we now have property rights on the internet um, and we have digital ownership. And that that is such a big unlock that is just, yeah, you know, that that just gets me super excited.
1: Yeah, and this space is interesting because I'm... I think I'm probably drinking the same Kool-Aid as you, but I actually... I, we're really ultra bullish, even on the NFT space and social token space going into 2022, because we know there's going to be a correction generally at the macro level in markets. But th- there's one force which I think is carrying NFTs a lot faster and in a less frictionless manner than others. So if you look at most big brands, especially on their earnings calls, in particular Nike, who are crushing it on the d c side, right? The common narrative for most earnings calls with the big brands is, oh, well, this is our revenue now on the direct consumer side. And I was reflecting on this. NFTs is just an accelerant of that, right? So there's already probably political capital within large brands who normally move slow and are normally scared with change and freak out, like you mentioned around kind of the Web 2 here of uh, people, uh, the voice of the customer and and user-generated content. But are you seeing that when you're speaking to brands through obviously your community jump, your, your agency work, are you seeing that as well, where it's gonna be a lot more of a smoother adoption going into next year, Jeff?
2: Well, the the adoption, I mean, what's so funny about the last couple of years or so interesting about the last couple of years is last year in 2020, I had put together this trends presentation Around this entire space, and I hit up the smartest people I knew. Um, these are agency partners, principals, creatives—you um, know, pretty much any any sort of discipline uh, across the agency and the brand side—and no one had heard of any of these terms, like absolutely mm-hmm. none. And it just, kind just of wasn't me.
1: it, Jeff. What month was that last year? Because it's so month by month at the moment, right? So what <laughs> yeah, you, so, you hit that deck. What month was it last year? Where that was so like, that was
2: October 2020. Shit! Wow. And, and that and that's everything is moving faster than I could have even expected. So, a couple things. I presented this to 20 or so people. Everybody was like, "This is so cool! It, it's so fresh." It starts to break down, uh, sort of break through the barriers of Facebook and Google and Apple and, and all these these handcuffs that we've been that's been put on uh, the brands and and the agency uh, people that are stewarding those brands. It just starts to break all that down, and it gives us a completely new, fresh sort of canvas to paint on to build these businesses and to build these brands, and to do what we want to do with brands, which is connect deeply and serve the needs of the customers. Um, And, you know, big intermediaries have always kind of gotten in the way of that and forced brands to sort of play in a certain way. And that's caused, you know, a lot of negative impact. It's caused bad marketing. It's caused bad advertising and all of that. So, but just last year, there's virtually no, no uh, awareness of, of, of this conversation that we're having and then you fast forward to August of 2021 and you have Visa buying a CryptoPunk. You have Arizona ice tea buying a Board 8. You have Budweiser buying Beer.eth all in the same month. And so some of the timelines that I like to work off of in terms of, of how fast this is moving and then to to you know dig into your question about where are we headed Um I would say nfts hit mainstream awareness in february of 2021 when snl did their skit wtf is an nft and what's fascinating about that is it only took seven months for a publicly traded company to then buy an nft seven months versus if we compare uh nfts to bitcoin i would say Bitcoin generally hit mainstream awareness in 2013. There was a lot of uh, coverage on CNBC and Fox and sort of this new internet money. Um, Obviously, it hadn't hit mainstream adoption. And those are two very different things, mainstream awareness versus mainstream adoption. Um, But then if you look at how long did it take a publicly traded company to buy Bitcoin, it took from roughly 2013 mainstream awareness TV coverage to 2020 when MicroStrategy bought Bitcoin, then Square bought Bitcoin, then Tesla bought Bitcoin. So you compare that to the NFT space and it just shows you how fast culture moves versus how fast uh, the financial side of of businesses can move. And that's mostly to do with regulation um, on the financial side. So uh, one of the mental models that I use is that the CMO is going to push harder into Web3 than the CFO. And that's because of the cultural side, and 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 there's not as much regulation uh, on the cultural side as there is on the financial side, and so as you know, we're looking at this year leading into 2022. Um, we have entire uh, new services, and and as an industry. Um, entirely new departments and, and businesses being spun up, and all of the large advertising agencies, all the large holding groups like Omnicom, Publicis, uh, they're all spinning up teams and, and new businesses and services to bring uh, these new these new offerings to these large brands. And then most of the large brands are having some sort of conversation. And they're at least talking about it and they're uh, uh, at least aware of it. And then many have actually started to allocate budget to it, uh, to to Web3 and NFTs. And so what's just fascinating about that is one year ago, not on anybody's radar, (laughs) one year later, millions, if not uh, tens of millions uh, of budgets are are being put towards figuring out Web3 and NFT strategies from these brands and, and agencies.
1: So so what you're seeing is locked and loaded, allocated headcount in terms yep. of new talent, budget, the whole nine yards, like mini business units being formed at the big agencies and on, on the brand side, hiring yep. headcount to manage it. And, and you're seeing that in job posts and, and just conversations you're having with current customers and, and hopefully future customers.
2: Exactly, and it reminds me. Uh, back to tie it back to where we kind of kicked off. It reminds me of when I first started to see job postings for social media manager back in two thousand nine. Right. Yeah. So over the summer, um, uh, one of the nice things about kind of being baked into this uh, kind of community and and the scene, the Web three scene early on is uh, I just kind of get to have a pulse on on when these really new moments happen that might seem small but are really big when you think about it. But over the summer, um, someone shared on, on, on LinkedIn and it popped up right on my feed and it was a screenshot of uh, a Canadian hockey team posting a job for nft manager and it's the first kind of the web3 community and as at least on the marketing side it was like it was so cool because as far as everybody was concerned it was the first time a job had been posting and it just reminded me so much of when those social media jobs were getting posted for the first time
1: yeah yeah i love this analogy because you you see it in even classic b2b enterprise software when you see new job titles job titles being posted and actually sometimes the job description is a mirror image of a particular software capability Yep. yeah like you see that all the time right like software uh categories follow job creation or job creation follow software categories. so yeah it, it's fascinating to see that scale now and then and going into q1 of next year i think what a lot of folks don't understand is like what does it really look like like the value add of a social token to a brand like a Nike or an Adidas or an Under, Under Armour or or a Gavinci, like what are some of the some of the low hanging fruit where you, we could hopefully be talking this time next year jeff and we either participate yeah. mini ourselves or we have a brother or a sister or a cousin or a friend who now owns a token in a particular brand has and has a new level of customer experience what how do you think that will shake out going into say h1 of next year
2: yeah, I mean, it's going it, to, It the way Web3 has kind of, at least on the brand side, ha, has gone over the past two years is it feels like it goes kind of slow. And then all of a sudden, some fireworks go off and just there's something huge and, and unexpected. And everything has happened faster and in more interesting ways than I predicted they would in, in 2020 when I was thinking about what would happen in 2021. So uh, I guess I'll just premise, or, or I'll, I'll start off with saying, anything I'm gonna say is gonna be wrong. <laughs> because <laughs> I just, right. I, I never, I'm so amazed at the creativity and the innovation and the ideas. And really this is, what this comes down to is it's a free market that's happening at internet scale. And in that sense, it's just so unpredictable and, and wild and creative. And so, but if I if we can paint some sort of pictures for what is the value that this space has to, to brands and then and then customers, one thing is I like to do is I, I like to separate the financial side from just the community side because a lot of this can quickly go down sort of uh, just the financial um, uh, conversations and ownership and that ownership can create value and it can quickly just kind of be this financial conversation. But there's a different element to this that is more important that is actually driving the financial and the value creation. And it's how communities are forming and how Web3 and NFTs give communities a new way to form. So. Um, a couple of, of examples, and we're just in the very early primitive stages of, of what this looks like. Um, but if holding a social token and an NFT, one of the primary use cases that we've seen right now is that you can go into a Discord community. Um, and if you're, your audience isn't familiar with Discord, think um, Reddit, but private. Um, think uh, some sort of mashup between slack reddit and facebook groups for private communities so if you're passionate about golf uh, you can create a discord community and you can kind of customize the channels um, and and access that people have Um, and you you can just create this like nice little private space uh, that's kind of dynamic where a bunch of people who are passionate about golf can um, can can interact with each other and so One of the things that social tokens and nfts do is that you can hold these uh, nfts and social tokens in your wallet a wallet like metamask and then you can go to this discord community and you can connect your wallet and the bot will read your wallet and say oh you hold the right amount of tokens to enter this community or you hold the right nft and now you can have access to this community um, and then, as soon as you sell those NFTs or those social tokens, the bot will scan your wallet and kick you out of the community. And so, the, for the first time, you have this passport and this key um, to go into interesting places on the internet. And so, what that starts to actually look like, what we're seeing is that these NFTs and these social tokens are actually a new social graph, it's a new data layer for how people are connected to each other and the fact that you can go into a discord and in the future an app or we call these DApps, decentralized apps and you can connect your wallet and then the dap uh, can read your wallet see what tokens and nfts you hold and then connect you to the other people that hold those nfts and social tokens and so communities now have this way to self-organize on the internet in a way that we couldn't before. Because when we look at, let's say, Facebook or Google or Twitter, if you've built up a community or you are a part of a community, you're not portable. So let's use Facebook groups for an example. It would be almost impossible for a group of a thousand people or more And certainly, when we start to get into the tens of thousands of people, and there's lots of groups, Facebook groups with tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people, it's virtually impossible for them to self organize themselves again outside of that Facebook group. Facebook owns that now, and they own you as a group and they can monetize it through ads. But if everybody in that group holds the same NFT or the certain amount uh, in the same social or the same social token, That group can then easily reorganize itself and reappear in another environment where they can connect. So it takes the power completely out of the, actually the interface of uh, how we connect with each other online. And it puts that control totally in the hands of the community itself. So if the community has self-organized itself into Discord, which that's where most of these Web3 communities live right now, if Discord doesn't evolve in a way that allows these communities to to thrive, and there's another app that comes along that's built better uh, and creates a better experience for these communities, all they have to do is say, "Hey, we're all going over here, and we're gonna we're gonna re log in and connect our wallets, and then boom, like magic, we're all connected." So, uh, the big opportunity here is for brands and agencies to start to build community um, and start to uh, serve their communities. And you don't have to do that with NFTs and and social tokens. Um, You don't need those tools to start to build community. Um, But you do need to have those on your roadmap because they're going to be very critical into how communities are are going to interact and engage online. Uh, But the big unlock here is that brands Um, and it's funny because the last 10 years, uh, really the last 15 years, there was sort of this, um, calling to create community and, and all of that. And it was really a promise that never came to fruition. Um, but, and and that's mainly because of how the big platforms work. Um, they, you know, Facebook would kill organic reach and then a brand couldn't send out a message to the community they had bought. They had to buy advertising. Um, But really we've kind of, uh, we're back at that stage where brands when they think about marketing and and they think about building their brand, um, really they have to focus on, on community. And then as investors or as entrepreneurs, uh, our target or, or our, you know, our North star is what do we invest in or what do we build that empowers communities online? Um, and, and, And preferably, what do we build or invest in that empowers Web3 communities?
1: It's interesting. It looks like the whole capital allocation model of a CMO will flip slightly because you might have a future CMO now trying to analyze and track all of these potential communities that their brand should sponsor, invest in, and then hopefully grow revenue from within that community. So are you already seeing CMOs view... Web three and and the new, the next form factor of community th- through that through that lens? I,
2: I would say Web three CMOs uh, are definitely there. I don't know that Fortune 1000 CMOs are there yet. Um, there might be a couple um, seeing what Budweiser is doing uh, with Beer.eth and the path that they're going down. Budweiser might get the sort of uh, check that box, um, but it's going to be few and far between at that at that sort of enterprise big brand level. But when you talk about Web three brands, so one really great example is Board Ape Yacht Club. Um, you familiar with them?
1: Yep, they. I mean, they've got their. They've accelerated to another dimension now, haven't they? Where you've got, I think Adidas, who are now part of their community, so they're they're turning into their own mini juggernaut now, aren't they?
2: Yeah, exactly. And 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 it's a brand that is a Web three brand through and through, built on Web three fundamentals and community ownership and community and building community and being community first from from day one. And when you look at uh, you know something that not many people understand about uh the board ape community is that i think they they have some crazy number of they've raised 300 million into their organization and community treasury through the primary sales of their nfts and then uh most of these nfts have a royalty baked in so that the the owner of the nft continues to um, generate income off of uh secondary market sales Those royalties span from two percent to ten percent, and so you can see that there's the 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 sale of these NFTs continue to pay dividends uh, over time. Uh, But I don't believe the board eight community has taken on any investment, and so you see basically, um, uh, especially if you were to survey a a younger demographic, let's say under thirty, a brand that has pretty much appeared overnight has massive awareness among the demographic that, that they're in and a war chest, a, a treasury of $300 million with no investors. Like you have to pay attention to something like that.
1: Yeah. But so, so, From the brand perspective, that makes sense and what bought a yacht club are doing and you'll see crypto punks and even friends with benefits, um, I can see them ramping up now. And I, I know you've got big investors just knocking on the door of that community saying, listen, here's our capital here. Here's how we can help your community, right? So we are seeing early signals of that. But from the customer standpoint, what are some of the big unlocks there? Because I know there's things like additional benefits, gated access to X, Y, and Z, which which sounds cool, but still quite early doors in the kind of big value add. What, what are some of the the big juicy Elements you think which will enable kind of more of a mass adoption into folks wanting tokens or NFTs linked to a particular brand? Is there there something new on the horizon which is catching your imagination, Jeff?
2: Well, you know, a lot of what Web3 is enabling are things that brands have wanted to do for a long time, but the, the technology isn't necessarily there. And so one of the mental models that I use for brands and how they invest their marketing dollars, um, that, that, and this goes back to your question about what's the benefit for the end customer or now member or owner of that brand. Um, so one mental model is for the last, oh, if we go back several hundreds uh, of years ago, uh, you would have owners of a brand whatever that brand may be, um, but you didn't, but the employees of that brand didn't have any ownership. And certainly the the customers didn't have any ownership of that brand. And then you fast forward uh, and really Silicon Valley pioneered this uh, next phase where the brands figured out companies, entrepreneurs figured out that if you gave your employees ownership, that that would create a much more healthy, Um, dynamic and you could build and you could capture that creativity of those employees in new ways because they actually have ownership over the thing. Um, But the customer was still not included in that ownership of the brand. And so now as we move into web three, web three blurs all of those lines once again. And so the owners and the employees and the or the lines between owner employee and customer get completely blurred and if you haven't if your strategy doesn't blur the lines between owner employee and customer then you're really not type tapping into to to what the value of, of web3 brings and so what this means for customers similar to what it meant for Uh, employees uh, uh, of brands uh, and startups and companies, when an employees finally started getting ownership of the thing that they were creating value for, it created a whole new, uh, uh, you know, go to market strategy. And so now customers finally can have ownership over the things uh, that they love and, and partial ownership. And, you know, that's big because before Um, if you were a a fan of a brand um, and especially if you were somewhat influential, let's say you're just a tastemaker sort of within your own uh, mini social network. I'm not talking about an influencer with, you know, a big online following. I'm just talking about the, let's say the, 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 the family who's just very influential in their community and at their school. And when they come across something that's great for their kids and, Uh, They're able to share that within the community and neighborhood that they live in. It kind of virally spreads uh, from there, and so on and so forth. But those customers didn't have any ownership, and they weren't able to capture uh, any of that upside. So, one of uh, you know being able to tap in into community and build on community, but then give actual ownership to your customers uh, is a huge unlock, and it unlocks value that we haven't. Uh, had access to before.
1: And you're seeing early phases of this. So I know that there's some communities who are kind of developing, co-developing product together. So I know Friends with Benefits, I think they developed a particular product which was used to kind of get access or gated access to a certain part of the event in New York, where there was mm-hmm. a big NFT week uh, event there. So which, which I felt, okay, that's interesting gated access to physical events video content maybe early access to the new jordans for example or new under armor equipment so it's kind of th- th- there's that privilege to it but but beyond that obviously this is unlimited composability right on what you could build with social tokens and NFT. so is is there some and all of these ones are interesting, but maybe I'm showing my age here. I was like, hmm, this seems like an accretive, nice to have. There isn't that I haven't seen like this killer mic drop moment where wow, I really want that NFT because you'll be able to get access to X, Y, and Z, or this is how it could manifest, or am I just seeing it in a different lens?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think everybody's going to kind of experience their own moment where they're just so head over heels uh, around the opportunity to uh, acquire an NFT or these to- social tokens and the benefits that that, that then unlocks for you. Um, that's going to be different for everyone. Um, and uh, But I do believe that every single person, like if you just kind of look at, humans, we've all organized ourselves around community and community has been at the, at the center of our survival as a species. And so, you know, when, when these NFTs and these social tokens start to, uh, unlock access into the communities that make you happy and allow you to meet other like-minded people and make deeper social connections. Uh, then that value becomes very apparent in that moment. Once you have, once you're experiencing that moment of of access into a community, and so where this starts to get really big and really uh, interesting is how these uh, communities can can form online, um, come together, create value, um, and then and then reform together in the real world the the irl so the term url to irl and so yes the whole oh you have these tokens and now you have access to this party and this event um cool (laughs) like not not like that's interesting but it's not this mind-blowing thing as you've kind of alluded to but what if that changes where that irl access is literally an entire city meaning being a part of this community online and creating this value online gives creates enough value and enough opportunity to literally build an entire city. And the only way to access that city and all the benefits of that city is to have these NFTs and and these social tokens. Then that starts to change. Um, Now, there's kind of some scary uh, things to consider with that. But I actually do believe that full one of the things we're going to see probably in 10 years is entire cities be built from scratch based off of uh, these communities that have first come together online through social tokens and NFTs.
1: Holy shit. Now that would be unique. So you might have a community who have a certain belief around education, um, sustainability mobile yes. um tax treatment for example right just views yeah. on that literally so you kind of have virtual sovereign states form online which yep. transform into a physical form factor
2: exactly and those and that physical form factor doesn't have to be in a central spot the way that we think of cities now right when you look at city lines and county lines and uh, state lines or, or country lines, you know, it, it's not networked. It's just like, it's a, it's a some form of a circle or a square or something like that. Um, when you think of these, um, these cities or, or these ways to to form uh, IRL in real life, it's more networked. Uh, so a really good example of, of this is Cabin Dow. Um, Cabin Dow is a, is a new, uh, Web three community. They went through the uh, Seed Clubs incubator cohort, which is the same incubator and cohort that I took the Jump community through. Um, but Cabin Dal, uh, is basically buying um, cabins. <laughs> They've started on the in the Hill Country of Austin, um, but they want to be the IRL, the real life um, sort of home base for. Uh, creators and people in the creator economy and they think about what they're doing with Cabin is creating a networked city and so and when you think of a city you think of these cities as uh, you know part of uh, a city's responsibility is to bring an economic sort of and business opportunities to the city so put in place policies and create partnerships uh, to create economic and job growth opportunity for the citizens of that city. And so when you think of of Cabindal as this new brand startup slash network city that's coming to life and the access to that is through the form of uh, social tokens and and NFTs, you can start to imagine this uh, sort of 10 years down the line, Cabindal having a network of houses and cabins and apartments and potentially large plots of lands with, with uh, you know, larger communities, right? But even down to just having a, a New York apartment, right? It doesn't have to sort of, uh, it, it can be kind of on any scale. And then, so then you, essentially you live in that networked city and through that networked city, uh, when we think about remote work and uh, the digital economy and being able to, to to create most of that value online. And especially when we're looking at the creator economy, you start to see this group of people that are all working in the cloud and doing all of their work remote um, as, as freelancers and as as creators. Um, but then they're plugged into this networked city that actually has uh, IRL, um, you know, places to live.
1: Yeah, Scott, you got my... You got my mind spinning here now, Jeff, because if you think about what you just described there, we kind of already do that already. So give an example, like my sister lives in a certain part of the suburb in the UK, and I know she moved there for the community, the certain brand associated with that community, right? Yep. Quality of the schools, the road layout, the type of people who live there. Yada yada yada. The same plays out all over the U.S. and all over North America, right? In certain areas, right? Like in L.A., I think Brentwood is like what, one of the hot, cool places to live. Blah blah blah, right? And People are buying into a certain culture within that community, right? So, so what you're saying is, but if you think about it, in the traditional world, yes, you do have ownership, but you just have ownership of probably your house, right? And that's it. You don't have an overall stake in the entire community and what it stands for. What you're saying is you'll have these communities form in a digital form factor initially, like you mentioned, this cabin community, which I'm guessing will might have certain infrastructure which is fitting for creators because they want a certain layout of a cabin and infrastructure and plumbing as a service, right? No different from WeWork, if you think about it, right? They believed in a certain infrastructure and plumbing for the modern day of work, right? But this is taking it to a next level where you'd have these cabins that have got certain layouts, certain look, which creators all fall in love with. They're sustainable. Mobility is easy. The roads are really clean, blah, 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 blah. The perfect environment for creators. So in essence, you then have the ultimate advocates of that way of living, right? Because each person who's part of Cabindale, for example, they've got equity in the whole mothership itself. Yeah, not just the cabin they own. So then, the advocacy, the duty of care to build that community and what it stands for. Like you're all in then, right? Because you've got yeah. hardcore equity in the long term mission of that way of living. And then, obviously, then you're inviting brands to go into it, and then the value goes up. So you're creating you're a you're creating a whole new asset class.
2: Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's like,
1: it's like the, the the 13th or 14th sector of the SMP.
2: It's wild. It, and it's only going it, to, it's it's just going to move so fast because when, when we look at um, web two, so web one had to be built off the back of traditional media and communications. Then web two had the benefit of, of, of web one and search and email discovery. And now web three has the benefit at the lightning speed of communication and uh, organizing around web two uh, with mobile and social. And so web three is building itself even faster than web two did and web two versus web one. And so things are just gonna get really weird and really strange and really awesome. um, Especially when we start to think about online communities forming around shared values and shared beliefs through NFTs and social tokens and Discord communities but then one day million million person pe- person networks kind of coming together and starting to put their stamp on the world in real life.
1: Yeah, example, Jeffy, I mean I couldn't agree with you more. The example you shared with Cabindau I know that sounds a bit far-fetched, but if you think about Airbnb pitching back in 2008, right, you had all those investors say, mate, that's crazy what shit sleep would potentially, someone who's going to attack me or something like that, or right? who has got a criminal record. Yeah. People thought Airbnb was nuts. People even thought Uber outside of the black cab business, which was more the premium, man. The general one was, oh, I don't feel comfortable with that. What do you mean? My phone, who's the cab driver, how they verified. Oh, it just seems a bit weird to me, right? Both of those concepts, more Airbnb was like, no way. I'm not doing that. When I described that to my wife back in 2014, she freaked out. <laughs> yeah. Scaled. So if you actually think about CabinDAO and these other, I, I call them like non-Skewmorphic ideas. So Skewmorphic, again, butchered from and who I love, because a lot of stuff right now is basically Web 2 ideas and a Web 3 form factor. Because what's really going to explode are the native Web 3 concepts like CabinDAO. Which are just completely different, but just end up being exponential the ones which kind of unlock brand new value. So, so it, it sort of rambled on there quite a bit, but it, the mind boggles right on how far we can go with this.
2: It, it does, and and to kind of think about a couple of sort of behaviors that I think we'll see that just seem so counterintuitive to um, previous generations, probably mostly. Millennials and above is this concept of ownership of your home, and uh, I think that we're going to move to a, to a world when we with these sort of networked cities and brands, and we really don't have the words to to describe them. And this is what really gets me excited about Web three is not as much bringing legacy brands into Web three, but creating the new brands that are truly native to Web three. Um, But something that I think we'll see is that uh, it will actually not be that interesting to own the house itself. Like ownership of your home is not actually what you want. What you want is ownership of the network that then owns the home or the property. And by ownership of a certain level within that network, that then gives you access to a certain type of home. Um, and and place to live and and all of that, and then when you want to exit that that city that brand that community, uh, you just sell your social tokens and or NFTs, um, and you move to a new community, and you move your life to a new community. And what this also creates then is it creates massive competition to retain uh, that community. And so if the primary leaders and stewards of that community that are providing all of these benefits from everything to jobs, to housing, to food. If they're not being good stewards uh, of that, then people will quickly exit and go become members of, of other communities. And uh, the liquidity behind moving and exiting cities <laughs> is, is actually gonna be quite high.
1: Yeah. yeah. If you link this, to right, this is no different from, obviously, you had Mark Andreessen's statement, right, back in 2011, software's eating the world. What you just described there is software eating. I mean, because if you look at Web3, it's another, just sometimes some people say, I think Kevin O'Leary said this. He goes, when I'm trying to explain to boring pension funds and classic institutional investors, I go, forget blockchain, forget Web3, it's software. Let me just simplify it for you. I, I quite mm-hmm. like the way of just simplifying that for certain folks. If you look at Cabin Dow, I know we've talked about Cabin Dow quite a lot, but really what you're doing there is, like you said, it's not really about the house, your cabin. That's the hardware. What you're really buying into is the software. No different from when we buy an iPhone or I wear a Whoop device, the device is, yeah, cool, the sensor like
2: Yes, you're connecting really- some dots there. Yes. I haven't even made that analogy, but what you're saying there actually is spot on.
1: Yeah, it's the software, right? It's the upgrade. So if we live, say, us to our neighbors in a certain community and both of our partners believe in a certain type of education for our kids, we're both into intermittent fasting, so we like certain types of whole food stores near us because we just like that type of lifestyle, and then we like this certain type of physical training, we, as Jeff and Ray, are, are brought into that way of living, hence why we have that NFT and why we live in that community. So then we expect... All the services to come into that community to match our desires. But if you think about it right now, you can live in a lot of areas and think, "Holy shit, why is that place opened? It doesn't really match the desires of the community." That happens. It's happened in my area. Me me and my wife were driving the other day and we saw a shop opened up. We're like, "It's not really. We're not going to eat there. That's not really fitting of the area we live in and what we're really into."
2: Right. And then so so now if we wrap that back to Sort of legacy brands, um, legacy brands, their challenge over the next ten to twenty years are start are, are, and you actually said this earlier, is to figure out how these online communities are forming, where they're building, where they're moving to, what their values are, what their needs are, listen to them, and then become partners with them and helping them sort of achieve their desired life state. Um, and then building the products and services uh, that they need. And and there's another term in here that has kind of been a mental model for me is uh, the concept of SaaS. And we've typically thought of that as software as a service. But a new version of that is uh, 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 software as uh, or staking as a service. So flipping that around, instead of software as a service, it's staking as a service. Have you heard that?
1: I know there's people staking their assets now um, with various protocols, but but staking as a service, linked to software as a service? No, but please go ahead. Please explain. So,
2: so staking as a service, meaning uh, you acquire uh, a certain type and a certain amount of NFTs or social tokens and you stake them to acquire services. So right now, staking is just to generate yield. Um, and, uh, when we're talking about web three, so I stake a certain amount of assets and then I earn, uh, I earn something, um, uh, some other token, right. It's very financial in nature, but think about staking as a service to unlock video content or staking as a service to unlock the housing that you have access to or staking as a service for, uh, the fitness membership that you might have.
1: So, so what you're saying is the things that you're passionate about that you own, mm-hmm. say for example, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a huge, I'm a big fan of whoop and whoop. I think should have a web three DNA because they've got a great community within the whoop band. Um, so I participate in that whoop community I say in the new world, I've got X tokens. I stake my whoop tokens and I stake them for what, what more additional services or, or some form of, Value add? Is is that why I would stake my WHOOP tokens?
2: Exactly, exactly. And so the business models that we have evolved over centuries in the last hundred years, first it was sort of trade. Then you had transactions, meaning I have this and you buy it for X. And then... the internet and and software subscriptions, um, well, we had magazine subscriptions and, and whatnot before, but really the internet scaled up this idea of a subscription model. Um, and then now we have this staking model. So subscriptions aren't going anywhere and one-time transactions aren't necessarily going anywhere and just trading one good for another good isn't necessarily going anywhere. Um, so we're still going to have those, but layered on top of all of that, is uh, staking. And so I believe that the highest benefits that you will get from a brand. And so if you're building a brand, this is what you're thinking about. The 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 largest benefits that you're rewarding your customers with are going to come through staking. So if you want the most premium X, Y, and Z, or the highest level of service from X, Y, and Z brand or city or whatever, um, you're going to acquire enough of those tokens or NFTs and you're going to stake them and then you're going to unlock that. Um, and then there'll be tiers down from that. Meaning if you can't acquire enough of that brand's uh, token to stake, then you can subscribe. But you're not not going to get the full sort of um, experience. You're going to get a, col- a, a sort of a, 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 ta- a scaled back version of that experience. Um, and uh, so that... If- that yeah, that subscription then becomes still part of that cash flow that all businesses need, um, and then there's going to be sort of one-off transactions. Um, so if we think of, um, let's use Amazon for example. If Amazon successful,
1: Jeff, just pausing there one second, sorry, before you dive in. So for the Amazon example, so that staking example. So if you look at it right now, right in SaaS or any subscription people. Are obsessed with retention, right? Client retention, gross retention, net retention. What you're saying with staking as a service, it's like this higher definition version of customer loyalty.
2: Exactly. You know what say
1: to me, Ray, you've got X number of WOOP tokens. Your day is really good. I'm like, yep, love WOOP, Jeff. Yep. Ray, stake your WOOP tokens, but your lock-in period is 18 months, but you will get these value-added services So then in the future, if you've got more people investing in the brand, you can say, guys, their community love them. They have nearly 70% staked and locked in for 24 months.
2: Yep. So higher
1: definition retention and and perception of the value of that community.
2: Yeah, and exactly. And what's so massive in terms of benefits to those customers that are staking they're, and This is, goes back to the lines being blurred between customer, owner, and employee. When you start to tap into that really passionate group of people that are willing to acquire enough of whatever it is to then stake and unlock those services, they are now owners because they can sell that stake at any time. Um, and they they certainly turn into employees and salespeople because they love to talk about all of the services and things that they have access to. And so this is where you start to blur the line between uh, customer, owner, and employee.
1: I mean, it, it's endless, isn't it, on the composability on what's possible with yep. just the f- form factor of NFTs. I mean, NFTs right now, you've got to view them like, Like in Web 1.0, they're just a web page at the moment. What that could involve too, like, is limitless. Like, who would have thought back in 99, I'm old enough to know this, and I'm guessing you might be, but um, back in 96, just using, say, Yahoo or, I don't know, AltaVista, who would have thought Airbnb is possible or something as dynamic as Amazon's even possible, right? Like, it's... It's probably a hundred x or a hundred thousand x in the world of NFTs and, and just the whole infrastructure that Web three enables.
2: It it is and and when I think about something like Uber and Amazon and uh, Airbnb, if they can if if they can get around the regulatory uh, issues and be comfortable with it, which I think they will, and and uh, certain governments across the world will allow this to happen. You start to imagine that one day, um, you can stake uh, a certain amount of Airbnb and NFT, uh, Airbnb social tokens and/or NFT tokens, and essentially unlock a certain amount. Uh, well, unlock 365 days a year of of being able to stay in Airbnb locations um, at a certain tier, um, if you're if you're willing to stake enough. Um, and that's how you quickly become an owner over uh, this like housing network. And then if you can't afford uh, that number of, uh, you know, NFTs or social tokens to stake, then you subscribe. Um, and if you don't want to subscribe, if you just want to do one-off purchases and stay for a weekend here and there, you can do that as well.
1: Yeah. Oh God, man. This this is you got my got my plate spinning in my mind today Jeff Say <laughs> so at least with some of the examples that you shared there and this then then, then this backs into I'm really going to go more on the financial side but it's interesting right people say oh the market's inflated and then of course with all the M2 money supply and the money printing we all know that right it, it's painful right now in terms of the inflation and just the whole the monetary system and fiscal policy it's a mess but if you look at kind of the upside within Web3 and you see some of the valuations of some of these protocols and some of these fundamental technologies. When you look at it through this lens, it backs into those valuations because the unlock of the GDP is going to be unprecedented. Yeah. You've got GDP now in the virtual world and you've got classic assets being kind of, unbundled into bad brand new business models and mm-hmm. the valu- valuations of those business models are exponential compared to the original business model. So really
2: mm-hmm.
1: with, with a trillion dollars is going to be like a billion dollars. If that makes sense in, 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 five, six years where like a billion dollar valuation now, sometimes is table stakes, but a trillion is like, Oh, that's a bit crazy Slow down over here. Like, that's pretty nuts. It's not going to be nuts in, in four or five years, maybe.
2: No, I, I don't think it will be. And that's one of the things that you know ha, has me so excited and one of the reasons I was willing to sort of just uh walk away from the the very nice PL that that I built at the agency that I was at before to just figure out this space and uh you know build a community and be a part of it because I firmly believe that the GDP of the virtual world will will just make the GDP of our physical world look like uh, just pennies. I, I mean, there's just so much value to be unlocked and it's really it's really going to change. I mean, our, if we just go back 40 years ago and we compare 40 years to now, it's just wild. But as we sort of go out into the future, I do believe that we will be staking our assets for access to virtually everything. Um, I believe that you will. A lot of people who are able to acquire enough of, of these assets to then stake, you won't pay for food, you won't pay for your cars, you won't pay for your transportation, you won't pay for your plane tickets in terms of one-off um, transactions or even subscriptions. You actually have the opportunity to stake uh, the right NFTs and social tokens and assets, and then you just unlock all of that. Um, and then you, you, you know, the more that you contribute to the community and to the network, the more that you can eventually own to stake more and unlock more. Um, and it's just going to be wild.
1: It's like a whole new level of flywheel. I think the yeah. founder of Animica Brands, who I, I think is, is a really interesting organization and a great founder. He described it as obviously you, had, you, you have universal basic income, right? the old thing but really web3 unlocks universal basic equity
2: yes yes Actually, exactly yeah. yeah and and i think i hope that we get into a more positive some sort of type of an environment meaning because you own because you have the opportunity to own equity in the network and in the community and in the housing and transportation and all of that, that anytime that we've seen individuals go from renters to owners or just that concept alone, you see a much higher level of of care. And so I hope that this dynamic is going to cause, you know, people and humans to be much more mindful of the communities that they're a part of and the products and services and literally everything that we build as a, as a species uh, that will be more mindful of it because we have ownership of it. And because our work, we can acquire ownership of it through the work and the contributions. And so hopefully that just incentivizes millions, if not billions of people to contribute more and in more creative ways, because they will be rewarded with ownership. And right now, the only, you know, you you really only have a, a very very small uh, set population of the of the world that can be rewarded with ownership uh, through the contributions that they make. Yeah, um, yeah, and I mean, that's God. yeah, that's through stock in these certain publicly traded companies.
1: Yeah, you know, what? and also. It's the right thing to do because it's an opportunity for for the recent generation who do feel a bit left out. You had the boomers yep. with access to obviously equities at an all time low, um, had access to real estate at a kind of at a compelling price point, and fair play that was their timing. You had then millennials who still upside up, had upside in 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 real estate and then and equities as well. But then this latest generation, it's really hard for them to have ownership in anything, right? Because we yep. live in this inflated world of M2 money supply ripping globally. So they kind of left out. And, and I feel this new technological primitive, it gives them their shot as well. So not only is it ownership, but as we see throughout history, ownership leads to higher quality of life, more duty of care, which is lovely to see. Yep. And fundamentally, hopefully, I know this sounds a bit cheesy, but a more fulfilled and happier world. I'm not saying ownership is the ultimate source to happiness, but you end up creating a better platform of people being more equal, having more skin in the game and feeling more fulfillment and thus leading to less social unrest and less bifurcation because we now currently live in a world where there's huge bifurcation and kind of wealth, um, Inequality, right? It's crazy right now. So this is this is kind of a, hopefully a brighter future for this new generation.
2: I hope so. I, that's that's what I'm 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 certainly betting on on that, and hope to see that, and hope to be part of those that build build that into this technology. Uh, so yeah, it's it's pretty exciting.
1: Brilliant. Well, Jeff, I mean, we could go on for hours now, but before we kind of sign off, any. A little bit about Jump. If you'd love to tell the audience about Jump, because we love what you're building there as well. So a little kind of snapshot about Jump, because I'd love for all of our customers and, and brands to hear, hear what you hear what you're building.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So when I think about Web three and all of these new tech, uh, the, this technology and this conversation that we've had today, there's so many uh, filters and angles of attack that you can put on it and, and ways to think about it. Um, and Jump is really um, the filter and the lens and and for the people who are thinking about this new space from a brand perspective and from a marketing perspective and building the next generation of brands and or evolving legacy brands uh, to adapt to this new paradigm. Um, and so uh, Jump is filled with um, marketing pros from uh, existing brands and, and agencies, as well as a ton of uh, marketers that are at Web3 brands and a lot of founders that are, are building Web3 brands. And so um, that's what Jump is, uh, Jump into Web3. Uh, and uh, it, it's, it's been going great. Uh, we've got a thriving community of about 700 uh, marketers. Um, right now, the community is, is basically a, a request, request invite stage. Um, really building the foundational elements of our governance structure, um, how we will manage our treasury, um, roles and responsibilities within the community. Um, And then one day uh, here in the not too distant future, look at the the actual official launch of uh, NFTs and, and social tokens into the broader market to sort of start to experiment with all of the ideas that we talked about today. So anybody that's interested in joining Jump, uh, can can go to joinjump.community community and fill out our uh, request invite and application form, uh, and then we send out uh, new uh, invites about once a week.
1: And one final point: any must reads regarding Web three you recommend for our audience? Anything, any kind of broader books or macro pieces or specific books that have inspired you on your Web three journey?
2: Yeah, I think um, an oldie but a goodie that um, starts to uh, take on a new shape uh, in, in Web3 is Reinventing Organizations, which is a management style book that was written um, before uh, Web3 has, has really taken off. But um, like so many things that we've uh, uh, theories and frameworks that we've wanted to deploy. Uh, but we haven't had the technology to do them successfully Um, you know this book kind of fits into that so a lot of great ideas and a lot of great thinking Um, but uh, i think when you read a book like reinventing organizations and you think about how current companies are structured the current relationship between customers and employees and owners it gets really hard to maybe implement some of these strategies but then when you go back and you read a book like this, and then you apply the technology and and, and what Web3 unlocks, and you start to look at it through through that lens, then uh, a book like Reinventing Organiz- Organizations kind of takes on a whole new light. Awesome. Well, Jeff,
1: thank you so much. It was pleasure having a conversation. Hopefully we can do the same again this time next year and see how far the community has come.
2: Absolutely. That would be great. And thank you for having me and good good luck on your own web three journey. It's going to be wild. Cheers. Thank you, Jeff.
0: Awesome. And that is it everyone for today's interview with Jeff Kaufman Jr. First, I want to thank Jeff for taking time out of his schedule and sharing his wisdom and insight with the audience today. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to hit that subscribe button. If you love today's episode, share this out with a friend or colleague. Again, for listening to today's episode, you can grab a free copy of The Definitive Guide to Connected Innovation Intelligence, where in this white paper, we're going to explore what connected innovation intelligence is, who's it for, and how the world's top disruptors are using it to win in hyper-competitive markets. To download this copy for free, again, go to the description of this podcast, click the link, and grab your copy today. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. We will be back next week with another amazing interview. Until then, continue to embrace your childlike wonder and stay curious.